This is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis from Providence Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Paul, Garrett, and Bruce provide their clients and prospects the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is making finances easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis. Hello, everyone. Uh, Paul Cochran here with Garrett Crawford, uh, makingfinanceseasier.com. We are with Providence Advisors Group, and we're in the division called Providence Wealth Management. We're an investment advisory firm that does financial planning. Our phone number is 865-770-5031. And uh, feel free to reach out to us on anything we talk about today or any of our other episodes that are you can find on our website, makingfinanceseasier.com. Um, trivia question, Garrett, what is your favorite candy? Ooh, um, you know, I think I found my new favorite candy last week. Uh, I guess this counts as candy. That was a big week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody, maybe one of our clients, I forget, maybe uh, somebody here in the building, but they dropped off a bag. And before I say this, I'm build the suspense. I, uh, uh, you know, some of like those Ghirardelli chocolates and Russell Stover's and that kind of stuff. That's like totally not my thing. Uh, I I don't usually gravitate towards fancy chocolate as uh, something that's my like go-to, like a a Hershey's Kiss or a Hershey's Milk Bar is like enough chocolate for me. But I say all that and that somebody dropped off this little tiny bag of uh, Ghirardelli chocolates and it they came in these real thin squares and it was white chocolate with caramel filled in the middle and uh boy that was my jam uh i saw him sitting in the in the kitchen there for uh, a week or so as i came in and i you know my initial thought was that ah, chalk fancy chocolate that's not how did i thing. miss those uh, well they they sat there <laughs> And uh, I had one just because I had a sweet tooth, and it was like Turkish uh, delight. Yeah, you know, it, it was. <laughs> if anybody's out there, look for the white chocolate caramel filled, real thin uh, Ghirardelli squares. I don't even know what they're called, uh, but I ended up eating like two, maybe three that day. I took one home to Eva, and I said, "You got to try this." Uh, so I, I got to go out and find that name or the the, the type of chocolate. But I'm kind of probably glad I don't know where to get them at this point. <laughs> what about you, Paul? What's your favorite, uh, what'd we say, favorite candy? Yeah. Okay. So, Ghirardelli's now one of our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, you know, uh, I go through these little phases, but right now, and, and I, well, I think you'd say probably in the last six months of 2022, my favorite candy is the Tootsie Roll Pop. I have gotten to where I have uh, one... Uh, chocolate Tootsie Roll Pop. That's my favorite. That's really the only flavor I'll eat. Is I mean I will eat the other ones, but but if I choose, it'll always be a chocolate. Because I've found that um, 
60 calories if I, you know, I don't, if I have a sweet tooth, like after dinner or whatever, uh, well, say we're watching a British crime drama, I can just pop in one of those and get my sweet tooth fixed. And uh, it's just a, a, you know, a, a long lasting little little snack tootsie roll pops and that's the one with the old commercial with the owl right how yeah. many how many licks does it take to get yeah. to the center of a yeah. tootsie roll that's pop it. okay well today um it's going to be a little bit of a uh, of an amalgamation of stuff that we've talked about before but it all falls under the bracket of december tax moves what you can do in december um to make sure that your taxes uh and again, we always say here at Providence, we're, we're not opposed to paying taxes. We just feel that you shouldn't pay a dime more than you have to uh, give your charitable giving to your favorite charity and not the federal government. <laughs> right. And people said, amen. That's right. So so um, the first thing that we can talk about is uh, is 401k contribution. So one kind of blanket uh, thing that we talk about uh, in general is, you know, the 401k allows the highest contributions, well, with the exception of a set, but we won't go into that. We'll just talk about the 401k, and it does have high contribution limits um, of what you can put in. And the great thing about those is they reduce your taxable income. But, uh, Garrett, how do you know uh, what's the right amount to put into your 401k? What are some thought processes that you go through there? Uh, well, you know, it, it can sometimes depend on what your income level is. And so I'm looking here at my sheet. This is for 2022. Uh, it says if you're older than 50, uh, you could do the maximum contribution into a 401k, which is uh, 20 $27,000 for this year. And so, you know, some people may or may not even be able to contribute $27,000. Some people may be less than that. Some people may be, uh, if, if it was higher, they'd put even more in there. And so the question can become, how much do I uh, contribute to my 401k? And uh, one thing, maybe you'll go into a little bit later, Paul, is whether or not your 401k offers a Roth component. And uh, for some people that make a lot of money, the idea or the ability to even make a contribution to a Roth IRA can cap out if you're married filing jointly. If you make over $204,000, you can't make a Roth IRA contribution. You probably can't make a traditional IRA contribution. Uh, But there are no income limits in your employer 401k plan. And so uh, if you have a Roth component to your 401k, uh, you know, it's a tax question. Uh, You'd want to work with an accountant. Uh, Those are some of the conversations that we have. But kind of based on where you are, uh, perhaps contributing to a Roth could make sense. And your ability to uh, do that in a Roth 401k, maybe up to the limit would, would make sense. Right. So, you, so there are some competing considerations. And uh, and by the way, if, if you wanted some help walking through this and thinking through your situation, we're at 865-770-5031. Give us a call. Uh, we can uh, have a conversation by phone or we can set up a, an individual consultation. But there are several considerations about what we're talking about. For example, one is how much tax relief do I need in my tax bracket? So that could be a factor in how much I would contribute. Um, 
then the other is is how much how much Roth money do I have? Do I have a growing Roth component in my savings? So if you're listening to this this morning and you're you're you've retired already, well, maybe you need to consider some Roth conversions. You know, while the market's down, we'll come to that later. But if you're working, typically, if you have a Roth component in the 401k, then you um, you can put more in there than you normally would be able to contribute in an independent uh, individual Roth account. Um, but any matching that the company does would go into the traditional bucket in your 401k, which brings up that, that third consideration. And that is how much does your company match. And so, you know, one of the things I'll talk about, like in, in seminars and in, in different, uh, well, even with individual clients too, one of the kind of general principles is I want to make sure that I'm at least giving as much into my 401k to get all the free match money that they have. So whatever percentage I have to give to get that free money, I want to do that. But then after that, we we need to be careful about the other places we save. You know what I mean, Garrett? Yeah. So yes. it could it could mean um, starting a Roth, and my wife and I could contribute uh, if we're if we're over fifty, we could contribute what fourteen thousand. Correct. Um, fourteen thousand a year into Roth um, if our income is roughly under two hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. And that's. Uh that includes whether or not your spouse actually works or not, or has their earn, their own earned income. If your spouse doesn't work, you could still open up a Roth IRA and contribute up to seven thousand dollars for twenty twenty two for for your spouse and seven thousand for you if you're older than age fifty. Right. So within that four hundred one k, so we're talking about in this first point, we're talking about boosting your four hundred one k contributions, and um, and so thinking through how much do I put in there? Should it be Roth? Should it be non-Roth? Am I putting too much in my 401k? Uh, Should I be investing in other sources? Do I have enough cash? All those considerations, I think too often people just reflexively think, oh, I'm just going to put as much as I can in my 401k. But they end up uh, with a a disproportionate amount in 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 qualified funds that that are non-Roth, they don't have enough cash on hand. They don't have a diversification of investments because they only have a few choices in their four hundred one k. Yeah, correct. I was going to throw in this too, uh, probably time appropriate, but I just had a conversation phone call with a client this week, and uh, they wanted to contribute more to their four hundred one k, but they just hit their limit. And we were talking about after tax contributions. And that's another whole uh, uh, less talked about option in your 401k. Your 401k plan at work may or may not even offer this, but for some plans, you can make after-tax contributions up to something called a 415c defined contribution limit. I think it's 66000 for next year, if I'm remembering from my phone call. But you can make after-tax contributions, and it's a way uh, to get more money into a 401k, into this after-tax part that once you retire from work, you can actually roll those contributions over into a Roth IRA. And so for this client, there was some appeal based on uh, quite a few different reasons. Uh, But 
another part of 401k contributions is an after-tax component. Probably a lot less people are going to be uh, inclined to use that because there's not a tax deduction or the tax-free properties of a Roth. But for for this client in particular, uh, huge win uh, for him. Good. Okay, so um, just by way of review, we're talking about four December tax moves. So the first one is making sure that 401k is optimized with some of those considerations we mentioned. Number two, uh, required minimum distributions. Now, you can go to makingfinanceseasier.com and see a whole episode that we did on required minimum distributions and, um, you know, some of the considerations there. But, um, uh, you know, it is important to knock that thing out. And uh, when the law changed, the, the key thing to remember is it's now age 72 when those kicked in. And it, this whole COVID little reprieve from making RMDs threw a little bit of confusion in there. Yeah, and, I, f- I fielded a couple phone calls this year and they said, uh, my account balances are down. Are they going to let me not take that RMD again this year? And unfortunately, the answer is no. That was a special consideration with everything that was going on with the economy and COVID. But uh, even though your account balances are down, the required minimum distributions, the required part is still in play this year. So uh, by December 31st of this year, if you've got an RMD for a traditional IRA, you need to, uh, if you haven't tackled it by the time of hearing this episode, you need to get going uh, because even we work with TD Ameritrade and they get really, really busy here at the end of December and uh, they prefer you to get that in way before the last week of December. I ran into a friend at, in Costco yesterday, and uh, he had retired from the lab, and, and he'd been retired for, I think he got a VRIF back in like 2011. And uh, he uh, asked to take his RMD, and doesn't need the money, and, uh, and so that's another consideration uh, where you can contact us, 865-770-5031. It's like, I've got to take this required minimum distribution, but I don't really need the money. What, what should I do with it? Where could I invest it? What do I do right now in 2022 and 2023 when, uh, when I turn on the news and it sounds like to them uh, the sky's falling? Uh, what can I do with that money um, that I have to pull out of my uh, of my IRA. So we've, we've definitely got some thoughts uh, for that. But the main point here is December tax moves. Number one, uh, make sure the 401k is, is adequately funded. Number two, require minimum distributions. Number three, and this is a biggie, and that's the one. We've also done this in a previous episode, but important QCDs, Qualified Charitable Distributions. After age 70 and a half, if you're going to give money to a charity, um, giving it out of an IRA uh, can be a great way to go. Why is that, Garrett? Yeah, there's something called a uh, qualified charitable distribution. Congress made this a permanent tax provision a couple of years ago. But if you are older than 70 and a half, and if you have money inside of a traditional IRA, uh, instead of writing a check to that favorite charity this year, uh, or that 501c3, instead of writing them a check out of your checkbook coming from your checking account, 
a better way, perhaps, for most people would be to do a, something called a Qualified Charitable Distribution, a QCD. And uh, for our clients, they call me up and they say, hey, Garrett, I want to give $5,000 to this charity here uh, next week. Uh, here's the name of the charity. Here's the address. Here's the contact person. Uh, can you make sure that my name is put on there so that they'll know that it's coming from me? And I put together uh, a IRA distribution form for them, and I code it as a Qualified Charitable Distribution. I have them sign it, and we send a check directly from their TD Ameritrade IRA over to their charity. It gets there in a few days via first-class mail, and uh, the benefits of doing it that way are that that $5,000 counts towards their RMD for the year. That $5,000 does not count as taxable income to them this year, and the charity does not have to pay tax on that $5,000. So they get the full $5,000. And so there's like a $100,000 per year per person QCD limit uh, each year, which won't affect most people. Uh, but it is a uh, likely superior way uh, to do your giving, even if you're taking the standard deduction uh, that we would encourage a lot of our clients to consider. Great. So um, when people hear 70 and a half, they can think, wait, didn't that law change? Well, the, the way it worked with the law change is that the required minimum distribution age moved to 72, but the qualified charitable distribution age is at 70 and a half. So at 70 and a half, you can start doing qualified charitable distributions. Um, and then at age 72, there's a little twist where that qualified charitable distribution can actually satisfy your required minimum distribution. Yep. So if somebody's charitable charitably inclined at all, it presents a great opportunity for them to be able to contribute to a charity and nobody pay tax on that that accumulated tax that's built up in their IRA. Yeah, a lot of our clients over 72 are using that method uh, for contributing to their charities. Now, where it might not make sense is if you, um, and again, this is a judgment call, but if you're already itemizing, like for example, uh, of course I'm not 70 and a half yet, but Sandy and I itemize because we give a lot of money away and, and that type of thing. Uh, and so it, it's really, uh, it's going to be better for me if I was over 70 and a half to go ahead and withdraw that money and then uh, give it because it, it would add in to my, um, to my itemized expenses. But you have to know, you know, what's my standard deduction? Am I going to give away more than that? And, and really look. So it, it, um, or again, we're technically not allowed to give tax advice, but we can give these broad brush um, ideas to be able to know, gosh, do I do one of these or, or, or not? Hey, one more thing. Uh, this is something I picked up the past couple of years. Uh, QCD can also be real helpful because it comes anonymously. <laughs> and so I know a lot of people that give to charities and 501c3, sometimes you give once and you keep getting letters or phone calls and, and, uh, future years. And so uh, a QCD doesn't actually have to have your name on it. So some of our clients will actually uh, intentionally leave in, their in, name in, off. Yeah. So they can donate to a cause without having to be followed up with each year. So kind of neat. And the requirement is that it has to be a, a 501c3. Yeah. Qualified charitable organization. Great. Okay. So first, 
making sure the 401k is buttoned up, organized, you know exactly what you're, how much to give and why. Number two, required minimum distributions. Number three, qualified charitable distributions and doing those wisely, thinking through, should I itemize, should I do a qualified charitable distribution, etc. And and then the last one is, uh, well, it's really kind of a combination. It's thinking through Roth conversions and maybe how that can dovetail with a donor-advised fund. So let's define our terms first. Again, we've done this a little bit in some previous uh, episodes, but quickly, a Roth conversion is simply taking an existing IRA and uh, a portion of it or all of it and putting it into a Roth. When I do that, all that income that I moved into the Roth is considered ordinary income, and I pay income tax on that money. But at that point, it grows tax-free. And then, Garrett, what is a donor-advised fund? A donor-advised fund, a lesser-known type of account, but you have to actually go to these donor-advised companies, and uh, it is a way to make a contribution into a donor-advised account to where you can control the timing of your charitable contribution. So like one of the most common uses would be, let's say somebody sells a company and they sold it for eight or nine million dollars. Well, in that year that they sold their company for eight or nine million dollars, there's going to be a huge capital gains from what they put into the company versus what they sold it, and it is going to be a gigantic tax bomb. And so a donor advised fund can be used by that business owner that year of sale to make a bit, you know, kind of... Uh, uh, pull off, tear off a portion of that business sale, fund an account for maybe future giving if they're charitably inclined. So that uh, l- let's say they're they're big givers and they want to peel off five hundred thousand dollars from that sale to do giving from for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, a donor advised fund would allow you to peel off five hundred thousand dollars from that business sale. It deposited into a donor advised fund, you could take the full deduction uh, with an asterisk there. Uh, talk about that maybe in a second, but uh, put that into a donor advised fund, take a deduction that year, and then dole out those contributions each and every year. And the money that goes into a donor advised fund can stay invested in the stock market and actually grows tax deferred as well. And so your charitable organization could get more money as well, too, by using a donor advised fund. And so, uh, What we're talking about here in the context of Roth conversions, though, would be, let's say somebody has a traditional IRA, few hundred thousand dollars, they want to do a, a, let's let's, let's say a big number, a hundred thousand dollars worth of Roth conversions from that IRA. Uh, That hundred thousand dollars is going to add to their income in that year that they do the Roth conversion. But a donor advised fund could be a tool where if you already have like a a, a non-IRA account, a a source of non-qualified funds, you could could kind of preemptively fund your charitable giving going forward so that you could offset that Roth conversion cost this year and then dole out those charitable contributions that you were going to give monthly or annually uh, from a donor-advised account or donor-advised fund. Great. So... So the Roth considerations, oftentimes, I know one we were working on yesterday, it wasn't in conjunction with a donor-advised fund, but the key issue was looking at their marginal tax rate. But my point is that, that if I can convert 
a certain amount and stay in that same tax bracket. But then if it's, if it's done systematically and correctly, you can end up with a, a pile of Roth money that can be a huge help in retirement. Well, we're out of time. Uh, makingfinanceseasier.com, 865-770-5031. And um, we, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to Making Finances Easier. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, or Bruce Landis at Providence Wealth Management. Call 865-770-5031 or visit them online at makingfinanceseasier.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Providence Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Tennessee. Insurance products and services are offered through Providence Advisors Group, LLC. Providence Advisors Group, LLC, and Providence Wealth Management, LLC, are affiliated companies. Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis and Providence Wealth Management are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.